Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another, well, and you know, pretty good episode <laughs> of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. I'm Adam. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing good. Yeah, you know, let's let's definitely bring the enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> not. I I just I've got it. I'm just you I'm got turned, things on your mind. I'm turned up to eleven all the time, and yeah. uh, also to to be very fair, um, this evening I just I kind of brain farted and could not quickly think of an adjective. Uh, and that yeah, kind of, we, we could all tell, yeah, it rapidly snowballed in my mind and it was just a hole I couldn't, I couldn't get out of. So, uh, I apologize for that. Well, I'm having a good time personally. Um, you know, good. I've been able to finish, I, I've been playing a lot of D and D lately, a lot, a lot, a lot. I've yeah. Been, I had a short game on Sunday with my family. Nice. Um, uh, then last night we had your game. We started Curse of Strahd, and that was really fun and really well done. And we should talk about that in just a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, both yesterday and today, I ran Dungeons and Dragons for my class for, uh, you know, an hour and a half, roughly. That's still crazy to me. Yeah, you know, I, I was uh, reading some of the chat while we were going and one of the students was like, boy, this would be a lot better if we had multiple groups going on at the same time. And I'm like, mm. funny you say that, because that's totally the plan eventually. Really? But right now, most of you don't know how to win an attack roll works. So I'm not ready to make one of you GM yet. Uh, but we yeah. will definitely be doing that. And then they started passing around like Discord information like, dude, we got to set up a game. Like, let's play. Like, let's start making more characters. And then, like, heck yeah let's let's like read this and and get into it and you know i was like yes the disease is that is the spirit (laughs) yes all right so my enthusiasm is up now okay Ah, that gets me pumped all right thank you for that that was yeah that's really good that it that it's been definitely injecting a lot of life back into my job too because you know with covid learning online has been pretty awful and frankly, it's still really challenging, even with this class, because mostly internet connections aren't very good. Oh, I'm but sure. Boy, the the desire to learn, I've I've basically never seen it this good. Right? Like they oh. all want to play this game. They're all excited. That's and so freaking that's cool, really man. Awesome. And that's with introducing the game through Roll Twenty, not even like hear your dice and minis, because that's like instant. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it it does make me think, why not to get people um, kind of, you know, a little more familiar with the uh, with the the GM chair? Why not use that uber basic system that you made at first where it's like, you know, like a D6 or whatever um, mm-hmm. and just focus on the on the um, cooperative storytelling angle instead of the mechanics and just start getting them used to uh, like creating scenarios for each other. Yeah, Coming up with stuff on the fly and don't worry about the mechanics yet. Just worry about 
creating that interaction with one another because that yeah, is something i idea. bet they totally go in for no I, I i agree i think at least for a warm-up exercise yeah that would be be a good idea and actually uh we got some new functionality this quarter from uh google Ooh, hangouts and or really or gmeet i guess or whatever it's called and because you know they're like like over there at google they're like scrambling to make their app better for teachers oh yeah this was not a thing they necessarily anticipated. They really took their sweet time trying to make classroom a thing. But anyway, yeah. they, they now have this function where, you know, you've got like 20, 30 people in a call. Mm. And now you can do these like split groups. So you can Ooh. it'll like randomly assign or you can move the names around as you want. And you can create these little breakout sessions. Really? And, and then as the moderator, I can bounce around between rooms or I can um, you know, uh, I can end the, the breakout and bring them all back and can rearrange people. So it's really cool. That's and that would go really well cool. with that kind of exercise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you could even have, um, you could have it be a regular thing at the start of every class. You have them mm -hmm. just like, um, in kind of like a rotating sort of thing you break everyone out into like groups of five and you have one person in that group create a scenario for five minutes and then you say you know like you have to uh the gm has to engage every single other person in the group at least once in that interaction right. or or maybe don't necessarily put it on them solely but say you know Every person in the group needs to interact in what's going on, interact with what's going on at least yeah, once. Yeah, maybe, maybe the first time I have like a, a stack of scenarios, like little card prompts yeah. that just to get them started. And that might totally because I could definitely see them freaking out a little bit, though. Facing that fear is also an important part of learning. Right. So well, I, I remember in middle school, I took, a, I took a speech class um and i uh i still remember the my teacher uh mr tote doll uh that's a name yeah he was he he loved he was also our school's drama teacher and he was all about speech class and what he would do is that every single class period someone randomly dr like drawn out of a hat would have to do an impromptu speech about something and it'd have right, to go sure. for just five minutes. Um, yeah. And I remember like first being in the class because taking speech class was mandatory at our mm -hmm. middle school and the impromptu side of things freaking terrified me because it was like, it was like, yeah, it's scary for a lot of kids embarrassment russian roulette where like oh yeah one of these days my number's gonna be up <laughs> and i'm gonna have to go up right. there and everybody's gonna think i'm an idiot and uh <laughs> but after a little while you know you really do kind of warm up to it and go okay yeah okay i just i just gotta say something for five minutes and well, I think a lot of times we also have the impression that like people are kind of wanting to leap on us when we fail. And I think, yeah, no, not many people are really sitting there going, I hope they fail. I hope they fail. Yeah. Like that, that's really not as much of a thing. Like nobody likes that feeling when someone's crashing and burning in front of them. 
Yeah. You know, unless you like well, hate that person, maybe. I, I think some <laughs> people dig it, but it's it is an it is an uh an anomaly to be sure. There are some yeah. sadistic bastards out there though. Yeah. No, I, I like that as an exercise. I mean, that'd be useful in lots of different kinds of classes, just oh, getting sure. used to getting up and talking and, and expressing right. yourself and I think yeah, that D and D and and role playing games are in this interesting place where they they attract a lot of people who are I would say are more introverted, and it gives helps give them this is, desire to be more to express something, but they're still so scared to do it. But it's like one of the few places where they want to try. Yeah, it, you know what I mean. It's it's really I mean when you think about it, it's kind of strange because. It is one of the one of the big kind of nerdy hobbies that is quintessentially built around being social. Like it doesn't freaking work if you don't interact with well, almost some all people. of us desire social interaction. I mean, that's that's basically right. hardwired into our DNA. Right. But how we approach that, it has so much to do with with our base personality and our fears and, and, and our, our interests and yeah. our interests. And I think there is something about being a different character and engaging in a game that, you know, almost creates the safe space effect Yeah, where, you know, Oh, I wasn't an idiot. Ugthar was right. 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 Um, or whatever. I can let this character be a little silly or ridiculous or they can be afraid or, or angry or, very yeah. brave, you know, or, you know, a lot of positive things. Yeah. And I can even even dare to be bold enough to express positivity and boldness mm. and bravery through yeah. a character. Right. And it creates this sort of buffer. I don't know. That's that's my armchair psychology. But I, I think there's something. No, to it. I, I, I think there is clinically something to it. Like, in fact, I remember reading, I think it was a couple of years ago. Now, there was an article. uh that came out about how a lot of uh, psychologists um, and or psychiatrists um, who were using uh, D&D in therapy to help kids who have um, like social disabilities or, um, you know, issues like that, where uh, the the kid they were talking about in the article had uh, he might have had uh, autism or something like that and was also like extremely just very shy and uh, that sort of thing and they sat him down and told him about the game and he was like okay you know and he rolled up his character and he did make this um, like this huge barbarian kind of care like 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 an Andrew character kind of freaking character. <laughs> like I was reading this. And I was like, yeah, this kid's got the right freaking idea. Um, yeah, big stinking guy. Yeah. And they said that as the game went, this kid started exhibiting behaviors that he had never before been able to express where typically he would be this shy kind of awkward um, sort of kid Dude. like we can definitely yeah. imagine this and then after just a little while he he was able to 
make these like bold, assertive statements and like, you know, show confidence and all this stuff. And it's like it almost all happened kind of on its own. Um, you know, I'm sure do they you, have you know like where the story is from. I do. You, do you, I don't know. Could off you find? Do you think you head. could find it? Do you think you could find it if you had a few minutes? Uh, let me see. Let me see. Well, not maybe not right now, but like you know, maybe you can throw it into the show later. Like yeah, in the middle because I think I think people would be really interested in being able to follow up on that. Yeah, if if uh, if I can find it, you guys will hear it in the uh, in the show right about now. Hey, everybody. I found the article. It's on bbc.co.uk. The article is called Dungeons and Dragons is now being used as therapy. The author is Catriona White. Catriona is spelled C-A-T-R-I-O-N-A. And the article was published on May 8th of 2017. Um, I would give the link here, but it's a bunch of random letters and numbers. So we'll put it in the show description. Um, but I also just uh, found it by uh, Googling Dungeons and Dragons used in children's therapy. So if you're at all interested in checking that out or other similar articles, because uh, some multiple results showed up, uh, give it a look and back to the show. <laughs> so... Perfect. Uh, wow, that was a that was a great story and and uh, very fascinating. It really was. And if I didn't find it, um, you won't hear this anyway. <laughs> maybe or maybe I'll leave it maybe. in. It could be. Or funny. we'll leave it in for comedy. There you go. Because yeah. we love comedy. Um, so do. yeah, I think I'll, I'll be it's a very nice story interested. And, yeah, to, and that's uh, not to mention that's something I can toss to my boss to that she can toss to her bosses. And oh so on and so yeah. Forth. Um, totally so that'll be really good very 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 um but yeah i think that it, you know ultimately we'd like to play a lot of games whether or not they're a hard rpg or at least some other game where we get to be something else you know we get this thing where we get to wear different hats yeah and you might even go deeper and say well there are less hats and more like masks right <laughs> that, and that that's getting deeper <laughs> that's getting a little bit deeper it right really we get to try on different personas and you know that it, again it does create that buffer that safety that allows us to express in a way that we wouldn't normally i think right. that's why like games like gta are are so popular because we do all have that you know inner anarchist slash troublemaker yeah where you, you just want to go crazy you just, just want to scratch without that consequences itch. yeah and you don't really want to hurt anybody. Oh, but it would be not. fun in a game where nothing matters. Yeah, right? and it's you know the the odd explosion can be pretty darn cathartic. And uh, I I I remember back in the day I was at a friend's house playing. Uh, I think we were playing GTA three, and we had all the cheat codes uh, on a sheet. Mm -hmm next to us yeah and i remember standing on top of a building and just picking off civilians with a rifle <laughs> left and right just that's to, horrifying it 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 was it was so fun um because they never see <laughs> <God>. it coming <laughs> no but uh just Jeez. to get just to get the star rating up so you had like 
they like they called the Coast Guard and the military, and there's like tanks rolling towards you and stuff, and like the entire city is now out to get you, and then using cheat codes to drop boats on them. <laughs> <laughs> just, you just have a yacht just okay now now i'm back again and you're just like blowing stuff up and guys are like oh my god and there's just like a schooner in the middle of the freaking street for no reason it was oh my gosh it's just just a berserk riot sounds and, like a yacht of fun oh oh <laughs> Oh, that stopped him. Um, that <laughs> was good. I'm just jealous. I didn't think of it first. Oh man. Oh man. But yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple new things going on for me. Uh, one thing I want to throw out there, um, and at least just get this out of the way. Uh, today we, uh, over at Nord launched our most recent Kickstarter, which has been my, uh, project that I've been working on, which is the sequel to Spectacular Settlements. And we're calling it Dangerous Destinations. And we launched this thing at about 10 o'clock, uh, Pacific time. And, uh, for anyone who's interested, the uh, website address is kickstarter.com slash projects slash Nord Games, N-O-R-D-G-A-M-E-S slash dangerous hyphen destinations. And that'll get you to our project. And we hit our $10,000 funding goal in 15 minutes. Nice. Nice. It was unbelievable. And as of this moment, it is 8:21 p.m. California time. Um the project is already at $60,800. Nice. Which I Well, well I done, man. Uh, that's awesome. Thanks. Uh, dude. How much of the book is you? Um right now the vast majority of it all all the builders in it is me um and we've got a a writer doing uh one of the stretch goals uh which we came up with uh because our ceo he wanted to have like um pre-generated npcs or uh you know some like villains or something and i was like that it feels a little too prescribed um, and, you know, having like, okay, we have like a lich and, you, you know, it feels a little too rote. Um, and I was like, what if we go at it? And I think you'll really dig this from a more literary standpoint. And, mm. and instead of having like villains, um, we'll have them as antagonists and i i looked more into like ideas for rpg antagonists and i think i got some ideas also from monty cook's uh your best game ever uh audiobook that i was listening to but basically the idea is an antagonist doesn't necessarily 
need to be a villain. They are just somebody whose goal is running pretty much perpendicular to right. the parties. They're just doing something that gets in the way. Of, that doesn't mean they're evil. Right. right. Of the PCs. Like, uh, I remember in Monty Cook's book, uh, the Monty Cook book, uh, he stop. He, he, he mentioned a, um, uh, a dedicated, uh, like police officer who, you know, if you think about like maybe commissioner Gordon, uh, from Batman where, you know, the, the main character Batman is trying to do his thing and, you know, save the city and stuff. But this police officer needs to insist that things be done by the book or, right. you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So he's not a bad guy, but he Although is. There is the potential that he could possibly get there. Oh, sure. If you rub up against his interests too much. Right. right. And that could be really interesting. And but I like that idea. It gives you a little bit more depth. Well, and here's here's the other big part of it. We are tackling it. Uh, I was looking for literary uh, um, notes to kind of go off of. And I settled on the Jungian uh, literary archetypes. character archetypes. So we're yeah. using the like 12 or 13 Jungian archetypes and creating an antagonist personality profile three of uh three to be exact within each archetype so you basically have a personality profile template that can be overlaid on top of any like humanoid it could be a goblin it could be a person it could be you know a dragonborn whatever so long as they're you know some kind of humanoid you could apply one of these uh uh antagonist personality profiles to them and have an antagonist that's totally usable awesome well that's really oh, well can you give me an example um i Are you suppose, allowed to give me an example <laughs> you know i i think we haven't actually released any of them so i think technically oh, okay. i i can't but i yeah, i would like to on that yeah but well, well, it's not like you came up with the twelve personas there, those, those uh, antagonists. Right. Though. What's one of them? Um, let's see. Like one of them would be ah, uh, jeez, I. It's been a long time since I antagonist. All right, let me let me take a peek here. Um, so the archetypes are the lover, the hero, the magician, the outlaw, the explorer the sage, the innocent, the creator, the ruler, the caregiver, the everyman, and the jester. Um, okay, so they're not necessarily 12 antagonists. You're just talking about the major Jungian um, archetypes. Right. And Of storytelling. And then within those, like um, we've got, like say, lovers. Um, you've got one of them, would be the obsessive devotee. So mm. then we've got um so I'll I'll give you this one's description and um I don't think it'd be too bad. Uh so the gen it has a general description. So this antagonist has found the one they wish to devote themselves to and won't let go. 
They absolutely idolize the object of their desire, sometimes the to fatal a attraction. detrimental extent, right? Then we've got a dominant emotion or emotions. So elation and devotion. They've found their soulmate and want to believe that they are capable of almost anything. Secondary emotion, delusional and selfless or uh, delusional and selflessness. They can't see the flaws in their soulmate and put them above themselves at all costs, opening them up to potential manipulation. Then they have a strength and this person's uh, or this profile strength is they see the best in all people, especially those associated with their soulmate. They have a weakness. And this one is uh, they overlook their soulmate's flaws, leading to denial and ignorance. They have a why did you decide to go with these terms as opposed to using the, the like more fifth ed vernacular of like the bond ideal and the flaw? Um, mainly because I want to lean into this book being system agnostic. Um, and I was that right? I felt like your company was very explicit about it being fifth ed. Um, well, we we were it was the same with uh spectacular settlements. Um uh-huh. so we we want this to be something that you can use with anything. Okay. Which you could, um, by the way, you know, having right. spectacular settlements now that I'm thinking about it again. Yeah, you could theoretically use it with anything. I I mean, I've had uh a couple people that I've talked to that have gotten it who don't do anything with RPGs in any way. They're just they writers. Just like it. <laughs> they're they're writers and they use oh, the that's book interesting. to help them like break writer's block or just kind of spitball oh, yeah. ideas and that sort of thing. Um, and if if Destinate, Dangerous Destinations is anything like that, then I'm definitely excited to pick it up. Yeah, man. So um so this is uh, a portion of the book the uh, antagonist that I have uh, handed over to Josh Perry, um, who's an excellent writer uh, over in the UK. And he's worked with us on a few other projects as well as a lot of his own stuff. And uh, if you've gotten any of the um, books that we've got on the Nord website from Loresmith, um, Josh has been involved in a lot of the Loresmith projects too. So, you can see his work there as well. Okay. Um, so anyway. Well, very uh, cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear you're getting into Carl Jung. I mean, I know that that was kind of introduced to both of us, I think, in, in college. Mm. Uh, uh, but, you know, definitely for the listeners, like if you're not familiar with uh, the work of Carl Jung, a lot of uh, storytelling comes straight from from him. Uh, at least a lot of the big epic tales like Star Wars is heavily mm influenced by Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell. Mm -hmm. So understanding this kind of structure and these authors is uh, really important, I think, particularly for the GM who wants to understand what relates to the widest possible audience. Right. Right. Like Star Wars, you know, is extremely simple. Mm -hmm. It's in its storytelling formula. It's it's almost by the numbers the 12 stages of the hero's journey. Um, and we can, we can sort of scoff at that as we, as we look at the system from the outside, but look at the impact. 
right? Look at what it's done. And there's, there are just very simple primal aspects of that, that touch on survival, on love, on violence, on parenthood. Sure. That, um, that are going to speak to people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's really, really good stuff. So anyway, um, just, uh, if any of you out there are at all interested, uh, the website again is kickstarter.com slash projects slash Nord games slash dangerous hyphen destinations. And, uh, even if you can't back the project, I would please ask any of you listening, share the project, tell people about it. Cause if, if this is very successful, I still have a job, which is really great. <laughs> so I would, I would very much appreciate that. And we really want to see this thing just be a blockbuster success. Um, it, in fact, well, without you, I don't know what else they'd have left. Oh, I, that's, that's the nicest thing I've heard all day. Well, it's, it, it's not just nice. I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'd have plenty. I'm sure. Um, but Says I'm sure <laughs> I, Hey, I, I, I don't know how to answer comments like that. I, I mean, I, I'm the director of game design. I suppose I have a, somewhat vital role at a game company um but you're important andrew uh you know feels good feels good yeah um but anyway yeah check out the project share the project the price is awesome not bad at all you're gonna get a quality product guaranteed um yeah is it gonna be the essentially the same book in terms of like feel and quality Feel and quality, absolutely. I still, I still don't quite have a a bead on exactly how many pages this thing is going to be. But settlements was darn near five hundred pages. Like, if any of you out there have the player's handbook, uh, and maybe the the DMG, stack them on top of each other and. That is how thick Spectacular Settlements is, except that middle portion where the books are together and you've got the the covers butting up against each other. That space is just more freaking pages. <laughs> it's it is a monster of a book. Um, so yeah. and, and and it's really good. It's it's a great creative tool, which which I've enjoyed using. I'm really glad that's. That and makes uh, me feel now good. with dangerous destinations, I don't have to plan Jack, which is going to be great. <laughs> and I, you know, you will be extremely pumped to hear uh, when we were in the live stream today, uh, one of the folks in the chat had mentioned that they had been toying around with making an automated generator for spectacular settlements. And, uh, Chris was like, really, uh, if that's true, let's uh, talk, <laughs> please shoot us an email and we will talk some more because there are things in the works. Uh, so well, I imagine it wouldn't be that complicated of a program. I mean, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff. 
is right, just very yeah. content heavy. But yeah. Um, Speaking of which, I I finally got the uh, PHB for Roll Twenty after using it for using Roll Twenty for years and years. I finally got the dang PHB. Nice. So um, you can pump out characters. So, yeah, I had to do it for class because a lot of the kids were just confused on how to make characters and. Man, it's so hard with um, with that many students and with the poor internet connection. Oh yeah, to try to explain everything to them, and you know they just want to play. Once we got playing, you know, I was just like, okay, I probably still over explained because you know they just start picking it up as you go. But right at the same time, like it was a lot easier for to have them log in and see that all of their character sheets were just done. And that way we could just go and play. And hopefully the curiosity of understanding the system will overtake many of them. And they'll they'll start saying, can I play this thing from Tasha's? Right. And that'll be great. Oh, my God. (laughs) Then then, you know, they've gotten completely in. That's that's really cool. Anything to to make the task easier. Um, I did warn them about possibly liking this hobby too much. Yeah, that's a fair warning. That's a fair <laughs> warning. You may this wind may up take over your life. <laughs> you you may wind up wanting to, I don't know, try to do it for a living. It's a crazy thing to want to do, but you know, <laughs> some of us manage yeah. to work it in there one way or another. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm glad you wind, wound up uh, picking up the PHB, you know, anything to, to make, to make the task easier. You know, uh, that, that makes me think of, um, the session that I ran last night. Um, cause I, yeah, it was a heck of a session. Yeah. Why? Yeah, definitely. Why um, don't you give me, give me your, give me your feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, Andrew is an incredibly gifted GM who is also cursed with a lot of self doubt. Not it to is, just put you on blast, but no, it, is, it is a, it is a curse. It absolutely yeah. no, you're not wrong. But he's so good, you know. For I've had him run a few games in the past, and you know, one of uh, the most notable is this goblin game we did. <laughs> the freaking game. We we were all goblins, and we were all stupid, and it was fantastic, and uh, we we really had fun. When uh, then we really wanted to challenge him because, you know, we're doing the show we're we're trying to tell you guys how to run games and stuff. And, you know, I was like, Andrew, you seriously need more experience running games like. And so we, you know, I sent him the curse of Strahd because we had had a experience in a Strahd game that, you know, we weren't in love with at the it was, end. It was less um, than stellar. It, at the same time, you know, I, I think I look back on it more fondly than you do, like. For me, it wasn't that bad, you know, like there were definitely some really highlight moments, but mm. there was a lot of frustration that existed yeah. as well. Um, but anyway, um, I thought it was an interesting challenge for you to take on Strahd. It and, certainly uh, was. And I think you definitely brought not just like your understanding of, of this, of the setting or whatever, but you really bring the feelings. Cause I would say that the, the center of, of Andrew's game design philosophy is about memorable moments. Yeah. And, and you really like to sell those moments. So we're, we had this big chase with some bandits and some wolves and it was very intense, you know, 
and there was a lot of illustration and um you know you're experimenting with sirenscapes oh that to create such a cool uh, program and most of it was just stills you know us looking at handouts and pictures Mm-hmm. while while the thing was being described and i did not feel like i was cheated out of the dnd experience because i didn't have a grid for most of it i it was mm. perfectly awesome but then uh, we also did get to the grid combat which i sure. was, was happy to do because you know you want to i knew you would be i knew you would oh be. yeah you know that's that's me like i want it all i want every piece of dnd every time i play oh yeah i don't like sessions where there's no fighting I don't like sessions where there's only fighting. Yeah. Um, I definitely like my variety per session, but regardless, um, I definitely felt like you hit all the beats and, uh, and the characters were were well represented. I did Mm. not feel beat over the head with exposition. I felt like we were getting a little bit at a time, which is what we've talked about a lot on this show. I'm so glad because like, I I wrote a lot, but I wanted to make sure I had it like broken up into chunks. Like if you saw my notes, it actually would be like like paragraphs of read aloud text. But in between would literally be a line that says pause for character interaction or to allow like to to allow you guys to interject or, you know, jump in there a bit. And also I, I tend to a lot of the stuff that I'll write is, is not necessarily exposition. It's not, here's a, an, a big load of information. It's usually like dialogue or flavorful description or, you know, something that's trying to be evocative um, where it's not like, oh, God, this is something where I need to, like, write this down. It's more like just something to to help immerse you. Well, the thing about, like, preparation is that we do usually write more notes that and sometimes they don't happen. Yeah. Or they help inform other ideas. And, and I think that that's OK. Um, it, it has tripped me up in the past a couple of times yeah. where I was like, I had a note, but usually the trouble came from trying too hard to stick onto an idea that I was married to as opposed yeah. to letting the moment dictate what was right. Yeah. And it's, it, it and, can be a fine line. To, oh yeah. But at the same time, I think all that writing you do, all the reading you do, all the preparation beforehand it just really greases your brain to yep. be able to Im- improv well. Yeah, and that's that's really, you know, and we talked about that in the in the preparation episode. Yeah, that's essentially all you're doing. And when you're studying, you, you're, you're hopefully you're not just memorizing answers like if you're preparing for a test. Right. But hopefully you're, you're learning about all the content and thinking about what it means. Yeah. That way, when the question comes up the answer makes sense Mm -hmm. as opposed to it being a a memorized factoid that you you want to internalize it a bit, right? Right. You know, when you, when you begin to understand, like when I teach economics, when you begin to understand, you know, the basics of how supply and demand behave and how people react to basic incentives, right. You know, 
you should be able to start answering a lot of other questions just by knowing a couple of basic things. So right. anyway, the, the, the main point being, if you, if you spend the time studying, I think it gives you confidence. Number one. Yeah. And number two, when you get in there, you, you can improv based on all of the little, almost subconscious little notes that you've picked up. It did help me feel a lot more comfortable. I was, I was so nervous leading up to this because the tone of Strahd is so far outside the the goofy kind of crazy wacky stuff I normally do that I I really wanted to and I still want to make sure I really sell the tone. Um, mm-hmm. But I also don't want it to be just constant heavy because then it's just freaking exhausting. Um, yeah, definitely. And I felt like when you introduced that NPC last night, um, you know, he, there was some, there was still some weight there where I knew there was a lot more subtext happening than mm. what he was saying. But at the same time, he was flamboyant enough mm. that, that I think it, it did, uh, you know, sort of ease yeah, like uh, the, the tone a little bit. I don't want to, I don't want to beat anyone over the head with the horror hammer it's it's more um i also like the everything's con- terrible it yeah. sucks all the time like yeah then eventually nothing sucks because your players will just mentally start blocking it yeah it's just like okay it's all tr- you know trauma um but well another thing that really worked about it was that before the game you know you set us all up to be part of the same family and you gave mm-hmm. us some writing exercises that went beforehand that helped us kind of get in that headspace. And I think it really informed our party dynamic and our ability to communicate Mm. and deliver interesting improvisational dialogue. It was really, it was really terrific. I even posted about this on the uh, fifth ed D and D group today. I don't know if they actually approved it yet, but um, the, I, I remember writing today that before the game, I hadn't, I was still having a bit of a tough time yeah. really visualizing the entire party and their kind of relations to each other and how they interact. But after last night's session, they are completely concrete in my mind now. I have zero problem imagining this family now. You're all completely right, I, well realized to me. Yeah. No, and I feel the same way. And I think that though that those writing exercises helped us get to the point where that improvisation was possible. Yeah. And and there wasn't not everything that I did last night was pre planned, you know, like oh, there were sure. a few moments where is. I was like, I think I think this would be interesting. I think this would work, you know. Um, and I just, I feel like, you know, you, you, you made some, some risks and some experiments that I think really paid off. So well done. Oh, thanks. And now that, and now that we all have this family dynamic and we all like care about each other, regardless of the fact that we are bickering a lot, Mm -hmm. but not like in a, not a bad bicker, like we're just kind of doing, you know, character dialogue, but it's not endless back and forth arguments. Right. Um, it it we're walked just, it walked a nice dialogue. it walked a nice line, it um, 
Yeah. There was there was one moment last night that that actually did come out of me improving something that I did not freaking plan. And it was I felt like it it was fast, but I felt like it was a major, major moment for the family. And it was in the middle of the chase when your carriage had to take a really hard turn and the the cart or the uh, the carriage went up on two wheels because it was such a hard turn. And I had you all make, uh, I think it was reflex saves and or not, not reflex. What am I? Why is my head yeah, back? Yeah, you said that last in? night I too, did which is great. Dexterity saves. And yeah, dexterity saves. Um, yep. You made it very well. Uh, one of our other players who plays uh, your character's biological son made it pretty well. The uh, the other player adopted who's son. playing your adopted son yeah. did not make it very well. And finally, the fourth player who's playing your wife, like, yeah. I don't know if he crit failed. But he rolled real low. I think it might have been a three. Um, right. So this was not something I planned for at all. But it came to me in the moment where I had uh, that character, your wife. She loses her seat and falls toward the now ground facing door of the carriage slams into it and is falling out of the carriage and like grabs on to this to this uh like the post or the uh edge of the door and she's like hanging out of the carriage as this thing is going at full tilt like the horses are at a full run and the ground is like whipping by with trees flying past and everything and there's wolves and bandits and it's like and scary and that moment seemed to immediately get everybody on the edge of their seats. And you, your character reached out and snatched her other arm and pulled her in. Your son slams the door. Your wife is like, you know, freaking out because she just went through this near death experience. And your adopted son is sitting there and he's playing this like a big, tough conquest paladin. Um, and he's sitting there like a deer in headlights. And he freely admits in that moment, his character admits this out loud. I froze. I completely froze. I couldn't do anything. He played into the botched role in a way that made his character interesting. It right? was and so good. This is this is a big skill for for players to pick up on. Like, if you botch the role, make it work for you. Like, make it make oh, sense, yeah. make it fun. And it's and he and he absolutely nailed this. And he played into that uh, throughout the evening, like th that he was shaken, that certain things would, would scare him, you know, yeah. that he had these vulnerabilities and we all feel fear. Right. And, and yep. this is something we had talked about in a past episode, just 
making sure that your character has relatability. Yeah. And then you you mentioned after the session that, you know, we had a save the cat moment sort of yeah. there. As you know, we're all these big, tough adventurers, but we all love the mommy of the group. Yep. And we want her to be safe. And, and so we're all able to set aside our problems to yeah. agree that we like her and want her to live. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and and that's I didn't anticipate that being kind of a a glue moment. But yeah, she really in in that moment you really get to see an example of like everybody dropped everything to, to help her and make sure she was safe. And it was a total like come together moment. And even the character who was unable to lend a hand, like not only did he feel guilty about it, but he didn't let it go like he was conscious of that moment and how he responded to it for the entirety of the session after that point. And it was just stellar. And it really kind of um, it gave you a look at who this family is when the chips are down. Yeah, because essentially what the evening consisted of was us being in a carriage ride, um, being chased by bandits, and then the wolves chased the bandits. Then we talked to a guy at a campfire, and then we fought some wolves. That was the whole session. Mm -hmm. And yet, and yet, you know, because of, uh, you know, good preparation, good delivery, and also, you know, good improvisational role play on the part of the the, the players as well. Mm. You know, it, it it created something that's a lot more magical because on the on the face of it, D and D is kind of a combat simulator, and you run around and you kill things. Mm -hmm. But if you apply the the kind of things that we talk about on this show, and and that many other people talk about on like their various YouTube channels, like Oh uh, yeah, like Coville or or Guy or whatever, um, you know, that's where the magic really happens. Yeah. And when it comes to understanding the rules of D and D. Frankly, there are better GMs, I will tell you. <laughs> sure. But when it comes to um, to understanding that magic, the the secret sauce, um, there are a few better, I would say. Oh, that's that's really that's really. And let's, nice well, let's face it, that's the part that's more important. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, so. you know, at, at the end of the evening, you want to just. You want to have a good time. And if you walk away from the table with at least one memorable moment that sticks in your head where you're like, I'm never going to freaking forget that instance that happened. Like your game was worth it. It was worth it. Um, yeah. And 100%. So I'm looking forward to next session. Me so too. I will be uh, killing all your uh, characters in my campaign really soon again, but permanently. Oh, my so God. That, that way, <laughs> Curse of Strahd happens more often. I, you know, <laughs> I, I did not. I, I told my wife this last night uh, after I, after I came in, I was like, I, I honestly didn't think I would say this. But when the session ended last night, I wanted to keep going. Yeah, I, see, there you go. I was like, I'm I'm having such a freaking good time. 
And yeah. it was so fun. And it went so yeah. well that you really get to this point where you you start feeling a bit of a high. And yeah. you just, you get in this rhythm and it was really terrific. And I generally, I'm, I, and we've said this a million freaking times, I'm, I'm such a, typically like a career player where I'm so used to thinking that way and going, I'd really rather not sit in a DM chair. Um, Last night after I got, after I like got comfortable and settled in and just started rolling with it. And I felt like I had a chair started feeling comfortable. And I was like, okay, I got this. I, you know, you just, I just made whatever calls I needed to. I have no problem hand waving whatever in the service of fun or making the moment sure. feel great. And so long as things are being projected right and things feel good, it's like I could freaking do a lot more of this. Totally. Um, and that was. Well, I'm thrilled to hear that. I'm 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 very happy to hear that because I think that when you when you have those moments as DM, it does bring you back. And it also like you should take notes as to why you felt that way and what led to that feeling, because then you want to be able to do it again. Mm. Um, and I think just having the right kind of preparation and the right kind of mindset going in. Yeah, is is tremendous, man. It was it was something else. Um, so well done. Thank well you. Done. You should be proud. Thank you. Thank you. I, I am proud and I'm, and I'm glad that you guys could, that you guys were able to be there for it. Um, you know, the, the fact that you guys were game for all the stuff that I had you do leading up to it, that you had enough patience to let me actually read the whole book. And I did. I read the whole dang book first ahead of time, um, cover to cover, and that you just kind of run with it. And on top of that, prior to the game, you know, it was it, it was no secret that I was like a bit nervous about it. And I got yeah. from multiple of you uh, in the group various messages to the effect of dude don't worry you know we're we're here to help like we're you. All on your team right and and <laughs> yeah. it's you know as the gm well, it goes back to that moment yeah where, where you're no you're when you're in middle school and you have that speech class right yeah like it's it's nervous it's nerve-wracking to get up there but you know when you understand that the whole room is is sitting there and and is rooting for you it's so much more helpful oh uh, it, it makes a massive difference yeah. And it was really, it was really terrific. I, you know, it, it sounds goofy, but, um, or cliche maybe, but I, I couldn't have done it without you guys. Um, well, that's true. <laughs> and, um, and I mean, like, even, even if I had other players, I don't know that the session would have been as good because you guys roll with whatever I throw out there and you enjoy it. And you have a feel for the kind of stuff that I'll throw out there. You know how I am and you mm-hmm. know how to enjoy it. And that makes it that much easier and more pleasant for me as well. Um, and it helps me to not feel the pressure and, um, you know, it lets me 
throw sound in and it lets me, you know, try some dramatic voices and really kind of let the experience get theatrical and stuff. And, um, God, it well, was, I think that part of the fun of being a GM is that you get to play constantly. Yeah. Right. There's no moment during the game where you're waiting. Yeah, that's true. Um, you get to just play, 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 play. And if your players all start going off, then you actually just get a quick breather. Yeah. And that's nice. And then you can quickly gobble together some notes or even just enjoy the moment. Yeah. And, or get a drink of water or whatever it is. And, that's what and the that's, uh, that's what really the nice. camp scene was for me. Like that's and that that's where I started. You guys just okay. You guys are making camp for the night. You guys are setting up camp. Interact as a family. What do you guys do? You're you're settling down for the evening. You know, you interact. You talk. Um, who are you guys? And then I just kind of sat back and tried to like just let you guys do your thing. And I had the, you know, your, your manservant, old Witherby, you know, pipe up here and there just to kind of get the ball rolling. But, um, that was, yeah, he was able to be the narrator in the room that to, to prod conversation or whatever. Yeah. And that, that, you know, I could tell what you were doing, but at the same time, it was, it was perfectly fine. It worked well. Yeah. So. I, um, I never wanted him so to be it. the, the, like the overbearing, you know, you know, the GM PC in the party or any of that. I freaking hate that crap. But, um, by the way, um, you know, a piece of advice for, for the career GMs out there, if you want someone else to run in your game, I would highly recommend being supportive and encouraging, right? It seems yeah. basic. But the more that you can help alleviate that fear, you know, the more oh. chance that you'll get to play and you'll get to play in a dang good game, because I think a lot of us have it in us to to be able to do this. And, you know, it's just I think so too. a matter of, of getting comfortable and being able to do some preparation and and, you know, having the confidence that you'll go in without being, you know, <laughs> verbally abused by people. Right. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, you know, so that's that's really nice. So well, and anyway, also um also just helping them find the fun cuz that's that's always the thing that ultimately brought me down when I would try to be a GM. Cuz I'd get I get burnt out, I get exhausted. I would feel like I wasn't getting anything from the experience. I wasn't having fun. Everyone else was. And I was just doing a bunch of freaking work and um, and it it can get very tiring. But if you can help someone get to a place where they can lean into their strengths and, you know, like you just said, not feel scared and feel confident, but also feel like, oh, here are the things that I really enjoy and here are ways I can do those things because the fun is what's going to bring you back. Like, you know, I I had a freaking great time last night. I want to do that again. I I have no qualms about running the next session. I could freaking run it tomorrow. Like, I've got the notes. <laughs> and it's and it's a it's a weird but pleasant feeling. Um Well, just, you know, here's something I want to offer you to keep you in mind and 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 it's definitely not to discourage you, but I do want to say that the most experienced and most talented GMs are, you know, and I know you know this, but 
you're always going to have a rough session. Oh yeah. It's always, it's going to happen from time to time. And I think the important thing is to come away from it and shrug it off, maybe take a mental note or two, but to honestly just say, you know what, maybe this was a building session. Maybe, um, I misread a scenario. Maybe I try to take too much control, Mm. whatever it was and, and be able to roll with it because we literally all go through it and it, and, uh, it happens literally to the best of us. Yeah. And so just when that time comes, don't get discouraged. Yeah. yeah, Hey, maybe it won't, but it probably will. And when that happens, just don't be discouraged and know that, you know, everyone is still on your side and that you're that you're going to do great again. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. And that's, you know, and, and that is helpful, you know, just knowing like, look, those kind of things are very likely going to happen, but when they do happen, it's the exception, not the rule. It's the exception. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I've got this uh, group I'm doing with storm Kings thunder and, Mm -hmm. Just about everybody there is like a veteran player. Yeah. You know, some of these people are like big creators in the community and, you know, not running a fantastic session in front of them, like definitely kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, but it's also, but when you nail it, boy, howdy, does that feel good? You know, you just gotta remember that, Hey, did they come back to the table this week? Exactly. Okay. They, there's, there's probably a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we, us having gone to art school one one uh, phrase that we got all together very familiar with is almost all the time you are your own worst critic you are going to be way harder on yourself generally speaking than anyone else is and you're yeah unless richard's your teacher then he's your worst critic. oh he's got <laughs> that guy you should not be at this school you suck <laughs> you're was hilarious you're just awful um it was great yeah and then he just talk about mma um <laughs> that guy he's <laughs> crazy but he was fantastic you know i Leading up anyway to this, <laughs> we were planning on talking about downtime and as our yeah, inspiration point. Know. And it didn't go there, but I loved this talk. It it felt great. Um well I think it's an illustration of of the larger point that or at least one of the points that we were making tonight, which is you know, imagine if we if we had stopped in the middle and said, OK, I love your train of thought, but we said that our um, our plan was about this other thing. So let's stop the conversation. Right. And let's pivot. You know, I think that would have been the wrong play. Right. Mm. You know, and I think when we're GMing, sometimes we do go, well, look in my notes, it says this. That, therefore, I must do the thing. You're right. You're that. <laughs> I, I hadn't even considered that analogy. And yeah, you're totally, you're right. Yeah. So, you know, if the, if, you know, read the room, right. And if read the room, if things are, if they're having fun, like just keep having fun, just keep doing that. You know, if that, and that note, maybe it go, maybe it comes up later. Maybe it never comes up. 
And that's okay too, because okay. even in writing, you know, they say kill your darlings, right? Yeah. So and I having have, said that, you know, that's in our back pocket and we can talk about it another time. Absolutely. So uh what do we what do we title this episode? Dude, who knows? <laughs> Keep having fun. No, I um, may, maybe I'll call it. I don't know. Uh, there, there was like eight inspiration points in here, I, which is fine. I might call it like Curse of Strahd retrospective or something. Yeah, uh, something like that. Or, or, you know, first first session. Yeah. You know how to maybe how, how to prep and run a first session, something like that. Um, or uh, Andrew first over session GM reviews. Jitters. Who knows? Yeah, something like that. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. You'll figure it out, <laughs> and, you know, and and that's that's what we do. You know, we may not know in the moment, but ultimately, you'll figure it out. You'll have a good time. Well, sometimes, sometimes uh, inspiration strikes. What can we say? Sometimes inspiration strikes, and it, and it strikes much harder when you've got that secret ingredient of love. Oh, you and do. It's true, and we've got a lot of it, and it's really because good. all of us love and supported Andrew. We got to play Curse of Strahd. And that's what friendships are really all about. Yeah. Getting to play Curse of Strahd. Getting to play Curse of Strahd and, <laughs> and, and sign up willingly for one of your friends to emotionally torment you for a protracted <laughs> amount of time. That's what friends are for. <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait till I can throw big bad guys at you. You guys are going to get into the village of Barovia next session. And there's going to be some weird stuff. I think it's going to be fun. Sounds fun. It, it, it will be, or I can't, can't wait to be emotionally tormented. It'll, uh, you know, I, it's weird, but I'm afraid that I won't be able to torment you as badly as I want to. I really want to stick it to you guys. And I don't know if I have it in me. Maybe I do. <laughs> well, I think that we'll all react in our own way. You will. I'll just lean into it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. E- even if even if you don't cry in front of me, you know, some some little part of me will know that you're crying I while will, you're going I will to sleep. definitely offer you some vulnerability. Don't worry. There you go. There you go. Oh man, this, you know, I didn't know what to think going into tonight's episode, but as is always the case, I have such a good time and I am yeah, so grateful for this. This was, this was a lot of fun. And, uh, and hopefully all the listeners had some fun too, coming along with us. And, you know, I think they'll all be able to relate to a lot of the jitters you had going in and, and, I'm sure. uh, you know, feeling, feeling good about it after. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Andrew, where can people find us? Well, uh, firstly, thanks everyone for hanging out with us, uh, as we rambled on and on. And, uh, in particular, uh, we want to say thank you to our patrons as always Spike and Logan, uh, who has supported us over at Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash inspiration point and they have supported us at the five dollar level which you can do as well and it gives you access to all kinds of things including um 
just getting a little shout out on the show, uh, getting some input on uh, what we do and access to our Discord community, just to name a few. And uh, you can also support us at the $100 tier. And if you do so, Adam here will run a custom campaign for you and anyone else who backs at that tier. And it will be incredible. Um, so once again, that uh, website address is patreon.com slash inspiration point. Stop by and please support the show. Please also make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you found us. And if this is your first time listening, be sure to download and check out our other episodes. You should be able to find us on most major podcast platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. If you listen via iTunes or any other platform that allows for reviews, please be sure to leave a five-star review and tell us what you think. Write up a short review or a long one. And we would love to read it. I've read a few already, and it always warms each and every one of my cockles to uh, to read those reviews. And it makes us feel good about what we're doing. Um, also, you can find us at our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirationpointpodcast and on Twitter at IPRPGcast. And uh, with all that being said, thank you again, everyone, for stopping by. And we hope that this has been encouraging to all of you. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye. Bye.